welcome to our latest edition of Building Voices, the CMS podcast series looking at issues impacting dispute resolution and management in the construction and infrastructure industries. I'm your host, Jane Fendralson. I'm of counsel in the Infrastructure, Construction and Energy Disputes team here at CMS. This episode is the second of a two-parter looking at equality, diversity and inclusion in the construction industry. In part one, available on the Building Voices website now, we looked at why this is a topic of great importance in any industry and particularly in construction. We focused on the UK laws around discrimination in the workplace with Katrina Aldridge, a partner in the CMS employment team. We looked at how discrimination can manifest itself in the workplace, the duty on employers to make reasonable adjustments for employees, the framework around sexual harassment in the workplace, protected characteristics, and what happens if an employer is found to be liable for discrimination, along with some practical steps to avoid these type of situations and claims arising. Today, Katrina is back with us as we're looking at diversity in action with international engineering and construction company Lang O'Rourke, particularly its experience of seeking to make Lang O'Rourke more diverse and inclusive at both an organisation and individual level, including drivers, barriers, and what practical actions have been taken. So I'm delighted to welcome Katrina again, along with Ray Avatar Barnett and Shadi Peters of Lang O'Rourke. Ray joined Lang O'Rourke in November 2021 as Head of People Europe. With a significant career history across various HR streams, she joined from Centrica, where she had experience in commercial transformation, HR delivery and talent management. Ray's an active speaker on diversity and a mentor with the 30% Club and Career Accelerator. Shadi is the legal business unit leader for the Specialist Trading Business Group. She joined Lang O'Rourke in February 2019 and is part of the legal senior leadership team. Shadi trained in private practice at Norton Rose Fulbright and was there for eight years before joining an in-house team at ONGI for two and a half years. Shadi heads up the legal function for Lang O'Rourke specialist businesses and as part of her role recently assisted with the streamlining of the corporate structure, consolidating the UK trading group into five entities. Well, welcome everyone. Great to have you here today. I'm going to hand straight over to Katrina, who I know has some questions to put to you both. So Ray, I'd be really interested to hear what the key drivers behind Lang O'Rourke seeking to become a more diverse and inclusive organisation are. So for me, I think the whole topic of of, of DNI and the and the drivers is really around. Well, it's to me, it's fundamentally, it's the right thing to do. You know, I think the we've got to represent the communities that that we serve and the populations that that we work within. So. There's a lot of commercial drivers for doing it, but when within Lang O'Rourke, the conversations that we're having is much more around it's the right thing to do. We want to be representative and be reflective of society as a whole because, you know, kind of what we build is all around, you know, creating a better future, um, you know, for, for society. So it's got to be reflective of that. We talk about it very much as as being this is just how we want it to be. This is part of our DNA. We want it to be embedded into our DNA of really how we do things at Lang O'Rourke. So it shouldn't be something that we're doing to the organisation, but the drivers are of a passionate belief that the construction industry uh, generally needs to be more um, more diverse from a gender perspective, from ethnicity, but from all areas of difference. So, yeah, it's really much more of a... a sort of philosophical driver than rather than um, commercial drivers. Although we do recognise, obviously, there's the talent, um, there's commercial reasons for why you would want to do that. But but that's, I would say, it's it's that intention and that 
that shift about being reflective of society really. And then have you experienced many barriers to progressing the diversity and inclusion agenda within the organisation and if so can you give some examples of those? The barriers are you know within the organisation I think you know there is this sort of legacy of how we've always done things so how we've recruited how we've you know maybe particularly on the trades on projects the the network that you use um, is of of familiar tried and tested and they may not be as you know diverse as we would like them to be so there's there's a piece around you know how do you get that shift on the on the recruitment front and the uh, where do you go to I think uh, particularly on the project so we have a bit of a distinction between those that are our staff so to speak but 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 professional um, areas like um, engineers uh, estimators and so on where we are changing a lot of how we recruit and and looking at more diverse ways of recruiting more diverse um social media to go on for example and sort of the you know blind cvs and gender neutral language but i think the bar one of the big barriers is really how we recruit onto our projects of our trades because i think that's quite a traditional way of the way we go to market and how we challenge ourselves in that space is probably one of the areas that I would say that we um, we need to um, challenge ourselves and, and, and remove some of those barriers by making that more diverse. That's really interesting to hear that practical example of how you're seeking to become more diverse through recruitment. Can you give other examples of the sorts of initiatives that you are working on um, to promote diversity and inclusion? Yeah, so I think look, so. There's, for me, you know, just thinking about it, there's obviously a, a focus on the recruitment processes and your selection processes generally so whether that's recruitment in or selection for promotions once you're in the organization so so um you know looking at the language that we use in job adverts making it much more gender neutral because we know that some of the words do put women off from applying for roles and women tend to be feel that they need to be 100% qualified for a job where I think a man feels like they need to be 60% qualified and then they'll go for it. So we do need to make sure that our selection process of being you know, into the organisation or once you're in the organisation is as sort of gender neutral and we take out any of those unintended biases. Another observation is that, you know, we tend to um, promote men on um, potential um, but women on their actual experience. So there's a piece about how do we how do we challenge ourselves in that. But then we've also got, I think, the focus on the organisational culture and how we really, I guess, lean into um, this space, which which we've we've started to do for sure. So we've uh, created a, a DNI council, which is basically sponsored by our our MD and has a number about six of our most senior executives in Europe on and that's a decision-making body and we are looking at uh, we've brought in a third party to really help accelerate our journey and accelerate our thinking. We've had a number of subcommittees about 11 subcommittees looking at different areas of of, of difference so that could be ethnicity, it could be um, gender, uh, it can be LGBTQ. We've got a number of those, but they were kind of operating quite like satellites and and, and sort of uh, um, in, in isolation. So we brought those together and trying to 
galvanise the the efforts of all of those subcommittees and bringing that and that it essentially comes up to the DNI council to to make some 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 decisions. And then I think there's also about giving our people a voice. So how do we engage with more, you know, more focus groups, more honest conversations on teams? Um, how do we give people more of a voice and actually have um, those that are interested just to listen and and have those honest conversations? So it is all around that that whole um listening to our people but creating that psychological safety so that people feel that they can have those conversations um and then through this um third party that we're uh, that, that we're using is, is is doing some real uh i guess line manager training so from particularly out on our sites that first line manager is so important so actually creating awareness not making people feel like they're wrong but creating awareness around all areas of of diversity and how to um listen how to intervene um and to create a much sort of fairer um and equal um envi work environment so those are some of the other things that that, that we're looking at that we're doing Thank you. I think what you're saying there about culture and engagement leads me very nicely on to my next question, which is uh, for Sade. Um, and I would just like to ask whether you can explain how um, you've experienced Lang O'Rourke's focus on being an employer which encourages diversity and inclusion. Yeah, thank you, Katrina. That's a really good question, because one of the reasons that I came to Lang O'Rourke was because of just that. I wanted to join a company that was really progressive and I wanted to join a team that had high caliber and experienced women. So that was one of the reasons why I came to Langer Walk and that's what I got. And I remember one of the very first meetings that I attended here in my team, they're called town halls because Madalina, who is the legal director, she actually sits across quite a few functions. So legal, tax, um, now she looks after sustainability amongst a few others. And we have these um, cross-function team meetings every week. They're called town halls. And one of the very first experiences that I had was um, a video that was played and it was all about the Langle Walk um, diversity and inclusion agenda. And it, it came from the directors so and people across the business. And I'd never seen something like that before because it was a very direct video and it was talking about the issues in the industry in Lango Walk and how we were going to address it. And for me, that really resonated with me because it was really holding a mirror up and saying, this is these are the issues and this is how we're going to resolve it. And immediately I thought, yes, I'm in the right place. It's it's a company that actually aligns with um, my own views around diversity and inclusion, because a lot of people talk about these things. They don't call it out like that and they don't um, say how they're going to address it. And, and that was really key for me because you can't really resolve solve a problem if you don't actually recognize you've got a problem in the first place and if the right people aren't sponsoring and the right people aren't um, behind that so for me it's always been a key thing at Lango Walk from as I said the, it was probably my second week here and I just thought wow uh, I've made the right decision and I've always seen that play through actually at, at Lango Walk um, with my own personal experiences as well. So how have you seen that play out day to day since that early experience? 
I've always felt included. Um, I've never felt excluded. And one of the things, um, again, Madalena says, is that you have to know what somebody stands for so that you can be clear what they will and won't stand for. So with that, I know what the clear messaging here is. I know that um, uh, things won't be tolerated. I've never heard any remarks, um, racist, sexist, anything here. I've, I've not experienced anything like that. And I can't say that's necessarily the case from my previous experiences at work, which um, it is quite sad when you think about it. But again, as a company, I think the messaging is very clear and it's come from the top so that you do know that um, diversity and inclusion is high on the agenda and things that would make people feel excluded and not included is not going to be tolerated. I've always felt included in meetings, in forums. Um, I felt supported and I felt valued here. Um, and I, I've never felt that my race or sex has been a barrier here. Whereas on the contrary, I feel that it's something that is actively promoted and supported. Um, that tone from the top pieces is, is really important. It's something I've heard talked about in, in other um, sectors as well. So do you think, do you have one tip for other construction companies who are looking to progress their DNI agenda in a similar way? I think it's just that exactly it needs to come from the top. Um, you need to practice what you preach. So as a company, if you're trying to push out a DNI agenda, if you're trying to promote more women or more diverse backgrounds, we need to see that. And I think Lango Walk is doing a good job of of that um, at the moment. So in the board, we've had we've had um, a recent non-exec director that's come aboard, and she's a woman. I think a Dr. Hightum, and she's impressive. You look at her CV and you're like, wow. And these are really impressive women. And you can see that we are actually practicing what we preach. You've got Rebecca Hanley, um, who's just recently been made MD of Australia. You look at the board, it's very diverse. And you're like, yeah, you are actually practicing what you're preaching. And as a woman coming into an organization, you want to see people that look like you. You want to see that you can get to these, these sorts of positions. Um, yeah, and and for me, that's that's been vital. It's it comes from the top down, and and we really are doing what we say we're going to do, and I think that's important. For me, I think you can't walk by anything. You have to call it out. If you do, whatever you walk by, you accept. And I think um, that for me is we really have to hold ourselves to that standard. So if you walk by anything, you've accepted it, and then that sort of um, that sets the tone for the rest of the organisation. So if our, our, ch our chairman is Sir John Parker, who whose Parker you know report um, talks about having ethnicity on on boards and is a, it, and is a passionate advocate of of um, of diversity, all kinds of diversity, and. I think that really, you know, to Shade's point around, you know, the tone at the top comes all the way through the organisation. So you cannot walk by. That would be that would be my piece. But what you walk by, you accept. And if you if you keep that in your mind, then you really that that's the standard you have to live by. Even even the smallest even the smallest things, you have to either call it out or you know have a word, uh, have a conversation, so that you create the right tone and the right culture that you that you want to have in the organisation. Well, thank you. I think that's really a couple of really great takeaways uh, we've got there and thank you very much for your time.
Thank you. Thank you. I'll second that, Katrina. That was great to hear firsthand about those commercial and philosophical drivers around diversity and inclusion, along with the barriers, the initiatives and, and those personal experiences. So thank you to Ray and Shadi from Lang O'Rourke and to our own Katrina. And to our listeners, we look forward to welcoming you to the next edition of Building Voices soon. Thank you.